0: Welcome into the 227th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner 4 studio. This is your host, Mason Viner, alongside, at least for our first half today, Todd Carton. Todd, how are things looking in Terp Nation?
1: Hey, Mason, things are actually, you know, looking pretty well in general. Things look look really good in general, I think, in Terp Nation. If you're uh, a Maryland uh, broad broadly speaking if you're a maryland sports fan you you don't have a lot to complain about i know that uh, i said to some people after the rather disappointing loss in the big 10 tournament by men's basketball on that friday last friday night maryland came out the next saturday and literally every team uh won that day that played for maryland
0: yeah much different from our last episode where we talked about a lot of losses todd Uh, Let's get things started with uh, Parasports on the mats. Let's start it off, uh, per usual, with wrestling. All right, per usual. Well, wrestling, we can can get through wrestling pretty quickly
1: today because they had the week off. They're prepping for the uh, NCAA tournament, and Maryland is actually sending five wrestlers this year. They had three automatic qualifiers out of the Big Ten tournament, and that would be Ethan Miller, 149 pounds, his brother, Cal Miller at 141, and Jackson Smith, who's really been pretty solid for the Turks at 197, when he's wrestled. Uh, Some of Maryland's slump in the middle of the year came when Jackson was hurt and and couldn't wrestle. Uh, Then they got two at-large bids, Braxton Brown at 125, and heavyweight Jeron Smith. Uh, So the tournament gets started Thursday in Oklahoma City, and this is the first time Maryland sent five wrestlers to Oklahoma to the NCAA championship in about 10 years. So real progress for the Terps on a lot of fronts on that particular map this year.
0: Yeah, and Alex Clemson's squad continues uh, to improve during his tenure at Maryland. We'll be back uh, with the results from those NCAA tournament runs from our Terps uh, over to the Jim Terps, Todd. And, and they have broken the uh, 196 mark. 197. No, oh, yeah, they broken it Okay, they've gotten through the 196. It's up to 197 uh, with a their uh, season high score this past week.
1: This past uh, Sunday, in their in their final meet at home before the final regular season meet, they go to the Big Ten tournament this coming weekend, and then uh, ten days later or so, they'll they'll be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the The surprising thing was Mason that um, despite finally getting through that that 197 sort of that had been a ceiling for them all year. They've been very, very consistent. They've had two sort of weak meets, but otherwise they've been really consistent. And uh, the p- previous season, they were a little more up and down. Uh, but uh, despite doing that, they actually fell one spot in the rankings because Utah State had enough strength over the last week to jump over them from 22 to 21. And Maryland fell to 22 but that's still securely within the realm of the NCAA tournament you only need to be in the top 36 with your national qualifying score which we talked about I think on 225 maybe
0: yeah I think every episode since the gymnastics season has started Todd
1: yeah but we went into a I, we had a detailed explanation of how that and uh, national qualifying score is calculated so there's there's really no way that Maryland can fall out of the top 36 with uh this with just the one meet left.
0: And we'll have their results from uh, the Big 10 tournament on our next episode. Uh Todd over to the courts with some tennis.
1: Tennis. Yeah, the you know, we we've talked about how tennis is uh just they they're living out of a out of a bus this month, I pretty much uh, on the road for every match for in the month that they play in the month of month of March <laughs> the month of March well that's not exactly right um but um the Terps uh, they they traveled to Indiana they opened their conference season they they split the matches they played uh uh Saturday and Sunday they won four to three at Indiana Indiana came in ranked 75th by the ITA and uh, then they went to Purdue uh they lost uh to Purdue 4-2. to two. Purdue is number 50, Maryland uh, around 45, so that would have been an, an evenly matched, uh, two, two evenly matched squads, and probably Maryland playing their second game in two, uh, in two
0: days, or their second match, set of matches in two days, may have hurt them a little bit. And the Terps will head down to Memphis on Sunday to face day unranked Tigers squad uh, Todd over to the baseball diamond a bit of a bounce back week for Maryland but uh, they played Maine
1: yeah exactly and UMBC so I as I as I like to say the Maryland kind of in the middle of the America East segment of their schedule because they started uh, last week with a, a game Wednesday against uh, UMBC They picked up a 12-6 win over the Retrievers. They were tied 6 all actually, going into the bottom of the eighth, and Maryland Maryland exploded for six runs to to lock that one up. And then they swept Maine uh, three three in a a row this past weekend. They won the first game 25-10, which – almost uh matched a a run total they had a 26 run out first against Towson last year then of course baseball being baseball the next game was it was four to three and then they won easily on Sunday nine and one so they finished the week four and oh Uh, I when I was looking at my through this I, I didn't see that the ratings the rankings had come out so I don't know if Maryland's cracked back into the top 25 yet um but they play Del- Delaware middle of the week, and then they kind of wrap up the America East section of the schedule when Albany comes to town.
0: So the Terps uh, will take a weekend series against the Great Danes, and that can all be seen on BTN+. Plus. Todd, over to softball.
1: Yeah, softball. Softball is still on a roll. Uh, again, new rankings hadn't come out yet, but I'm sure that the four win four wins they picked up down in Liberty, down in uh Lynchburg aren't going to hurt them. They're they're sitting at 19 and four. Uh, Their current win streak is a 10 straight win games that they've won, which is uh, the longest since 2013. And um, they picked up. You know, it wasn't the toughest competition, but they swept a doubleheader against Fairfield, four to three, and then a run rule win, 11 to nothing, on Friday. Uh, They picked up two more wins on Saturday over Ball State and Sacred Heart. And then Sunday's game got canceled. Uh, they were supposed to play the host school Liberty. I just thought it was really interesting. I need to talk to some of the players. They started their sort of non-conference road season in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and and finished it in Lynchburg. And that'd be an interesting set of bookends in my mind. Um, so they'll have games this weekend. Uh, you know, I'm not sure when the Friday game starts against North Dakota. One source said uh, 1230, but I think they may have moved that back because of the women's basketball tournament. So right now, as far as uh, the Maryland website is concerned, they'll start a five game weekend series against North Dakota at uh, four o'clock Friday or 430 Friday. With all of those games on BTN plus as usual.
0: Yep. Over to uh, the lacrosse. Todd, let's start off with the men today.
1: Uh, Starting off with the men. So we're going, uh, you know, we're kind of switching men, women, men, women, uh, which is cool. Um, So the Terps, you know, traveled up to Albany Saturday. They um, picked up a win there. They're four and two now on the season. Uh, IL's ranking came out earlier today. They're still uh, 11th. The, the, The game wasn't the prettiest game, but you know, Mason, I, I, I try to think about this. You and I talked a little bit about it possibly being a bit of a sloppy game, and Luke Weirman struggled. That's first time in a long time. I've seen him below 50% at the faceoff X. But, you know, in looking at the way Maryland's playing this year, I, I can't help but think, again, I said it last, last something similar last week about how, uh, you know, you, you watch Jared Bernhardt and Matt Rambo and Logan Wisnowskis for five, six years. You get a little spoiled in finding kind of those alpha guys who are going to take over a game, and Maryland's still searching for that a little bit. But just thinking in terms of the way what we saw last year, uh, you know, possibly the greatest team ever to to mount an NCAA lacrosse season, and so everything's going to look rough by comparison.
0: Yeah, it does. Todd, one correction: the the men's team is fourth in the inside lacrosse poll. The women are 11th. Uh,
1: oh, right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's right.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you and I were talking about this. The ball movement's different. The the face-off wing support is different, which I think is affecting Weirman a little bit. The goalie play, obviously, with the freshman, uh, Rupel in there instead of Logan McNaney, has taken a step down. And, and right now, I think this game was a step forward. The Terps didn't need uh, players like Owen Murphy. Spanos only records one point on the day. And a different selection of Terps. Uh, Daniel Maltz with four goals. Now, uh, one other Terp had four goals. It's
1: yeah, and it's that and the, that's the, next step. Exactly, particularly since the other Terp with four goals was a freshman, Braden Arksa. So you know it's great to see a freshman, you know, a kid from Atlanta stepping up and and stepping into a big role. And uh, Whittier also played a, played a nice, solid game, had a couple of assists. So you know, maybe he's slowly coming together, but. You know, as I said, you know, you watched a team, you don't forget, not only was Maryland 18-0 and last season, what were they the season before? They were 17-1 and with a one-goal loss in the national championship game. You know, we've been watching some some phenomenal lacrosse here in College Park for the last two years.
0: Yeah, and I think the Turps are a team that's going to need their defense to carry them and players like Kyle Long and Owen Murphy and Daniel Maltz to uh, step up even more. I think Maltz has... Overperformed what many would have said his role would be at the beginning of the season, but Murphy and specifically Kyle Long, I think, are are just that step behind uh, where you need them to be if the Turps are going to push the Final Four with just a stacked uh, list of teams right now in the top 20. And they'll get their shot at the number one ranked team. Turps heading down to Charlottesville to face the 6 and 0 Virginia team who struggled a little bit in the first half with Towson uh, this past weekend, but the Towson goalie was playing absolutely uh, fantastic as well as the brother of uh, former Maryland star, Anthony uh, DeMeo, uh, his brothers on that Towson team. He had the first four for the Tigers who kept it close all the way into the third quarter. And then Virginia uh, ball started finding the back of the net for the Cavs.
1: Yeah. You know, I, and, and you'd, you'd almost expect that, but you talked about uh, that, that eventually Virginia would kind of find a way and wear, wear down a team like Towson and they're well-coached, you know, uh, so, so uh, that, that's not a, a huge surprise. I guess it's more of a surprise that Towson was able to stay with them as long as they could. But you mentioned the Maryland schedule, that as of today, every Big Ten team is ranked in, in the inside lacrosse poll.
0: Yeah, and, and that's something, especially with you know Michigan being a program that seemed miles behind the Big Ten that's, that's quickly caught up. Ohio State, who got absolutely housed by Notre Dame, uh, this past weekend, but they, they've played some good games, but there just isn't a team quite like this Virginia team uh, that Maryland is going to play this upcoming weekend.
1: No, uh, and, and even Penn State off to a much uh, a surprisingly good start.
0: Yeah, Penn State looks great. I mean, they, they uh, I think I've already beat enough teams to claim an Ivy League championship this season. Uh, <laughs> they just beat Cornell this past weekend. They have wins over Princeton. Rutgers beat Princeton. Um, so the, the Terps, you know, the schedule is never easy for a John Tillman coach team. This Albany Albany game was probably the easiest game on the schedule, in my opinion, right there alongside that Richmond. But Richmond has posed uh, problems for big-name teams over the years. So, you know, John Tillman's going to keep scheming. Uh, the Bernhardt brothers are going to keep, you know, putting guys in positions to make plays. The ball's just got to find the back of the net a little bit more for this Maryland team. All that being said, I do think Maryland's got a good shot. Uh, come Saturday in Charlottesville. I know uh, the Turp talk squads trying to get to find a way to get down there,
1: yeah, well, I, you know I, I hope that uh, they they do find a way. I, you know, I'm not quite as, as optimistic at this point as as you are, Mason for for this game. I know that um, that that Virginia going to be looking for some payback, I think. and and I think that they are uh, a bit more talented team this year than Maryland at this po- particularly at this point of the year. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I hope that the, the Terps can keep it close and, and um, maybe pull the upset that you're looking for. But, you know, if, if, if I were a betting man, uh, I'm not sure I'd be putting much money on, on Maryland's uh, chances this weekend.
0: Hey Todd, if I were a betting man, I don't think I would really touch this game very much to be completely honest yeah. with you. It's two teams that, this point have kind of renewed what was once one of the best rivalries in college lacrosse i think right now it is the best rivalry in college lacrosse and i think that both teams are going to find another level i agree with you the virginia team with the uh his name slips my mind the transfer from vermont the way that uh the freshman from calvert hall sutherland's playing right now is just a fantastic of course, connor
1: schellenberger.
0: yeah of course connor schellenberger the way this you know, team is passing the ball right now, it, it it gives you flashbacks of the Maryland team from a year ago. I don't think they're that great. The goalie play is lacking a little bit for Virginia right now, and the defense just isn't quite as good. But the Terps have their work cut out for them. But if there's anybody that can scheme up uh at that a great plan in a week, it is John Tillman.
1: Yeah, it is, and and you know, I mean, the the thing when you talk about the the rivalry, what the other thing that's I I, I really enjoy about this is that. The level of respect between Lars Tiffany and John Tillman. I think that there's just an enormous amount of respect and admiration between those two guys.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Lars is is a great coach, and and you know he's always been nice to us, to give us interviews on his team post game press conferences. I don't think uh, there is a better show for the sport of lacrosse than what John Tillman and Lars Tiffany's teams put out in the field and the way that both of them. Uh, carry themselves, you know, both to the media, to recruits, and and to the community as general. Both of them have given so much back to this game, and and, and really do do their part in in growing lacrosse in two areas where, of course, it's a strong sport. But two of the premier programs in the sport uh, could not ask for better coaches. Absolutely. On to women. So we'll wrap it up, nation with uh, the women's lacrosse team. Yep, Todd. On to women's lacrosse. Let's wrap it up. Okay, so
1: of course they had a really tough week uh, two weeks ago. They dropped two one-goal decisions uh, to at down at James Madison and to Denver. Uh, but then they came in. They, they the schedule softened up a little bit, and and the Terps really took advantage of that. They kind of skated to a 22-4 win at home against William and Mary Wednesday. Then they went up to Philadelphia, where they played not for the first time on that field, but they played Villanova. At, at Villanova for the first time, and and they cruised to that. They, they bolted out to a 9-3 to three lead at the half. They got it up to a point where they had a running clock for part of the game. They were up by 10-plus or 10 goals and uh, kind of sl- slid into a 15-6 win. It uh, looks like they have an emerging star uh, in Corey Edmondson, who was the number one-rated recruit two years ago before having to miss last year uh, with a knee injury. And their defense, that everybody I think expected to be the strength of this team. Now, again, they, they're you know I, even even including the games against uh, Madison and and Denver, they've only given up 26 goals in the last four games. That's pretty solid defense, and they're not getting great goalie play at this point.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest stunner. Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, is Emily Sterling just has not been the player uh, that she was even a year ago, and, and that's going to be. I think the focus point, along with the ball movement and the offense, for the Terps is how they can get their goalie uh, to get hot again going into Big Ten play. One more non-con game for the Terps. They'll take on a four-and-four four Georgetown squad uh, at CQ Stadium this week before uh, they play the number 22-ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights Saturday at noon. And hey, where else could you see both games but BTN Plus? Where else? Could, where else do you have to look, Mason? If you're, you know, if you're a Terps fan, if you're a lacrosse fan, I, you know, it's, it's a pretty good investment. Hey, when you're a lacrosse fan, you got to watch the games for the moon though, Todd. I mean, that camera is up there.
1: <laughs> well, it's where, you know, when you're, when you're a lacrosse fan and you're in the press box, Mason, you know, at Maryland, where, where are you? You're in the press box. You may as well be in Washington.
0: Yeah, it's not the greatest <laughs> across viewing angles that anybody's ever seen. Uh, Todd, let's talk uh, women's basketball on the road now, all the way to the NCAA tournament. Terps earn a two seed. Uh, they'll host the first two rounds in College Park, and uh, then take on the winner of Arizona and West Virginia.
1: Yeah, in the second round, they start with they start with Holy Cross Friday. They'll be the second game Friday afternoon. Um, and uh, so, so the second game will be the winners, obviously, of the first two on Friday. That'll come on Sunday. Um, Arizona coming in as a seven seed and West Virginia as a as a ten. So Arizona probably be favored into uh, in the in that game. And you know, Mason, I've seen some carping on some some message boards and some Twitter folks who seem upset about Maryland having a tough road and. Maryland, since they're in the same bracket with South Carolina and are going to have to go to Greenville and play them there, if they get past the, uh, actually get get to the Elite Eight, they need to to break through the Sweet 16 to to play South Carolina. Um, You know, and people, so people complaining that Maryland was the lowest of the two seeds, but I look at Maryland and what they did, which they exceeded expectations, but they did have two early season losses to two teams that aren't in the tournament. That would be DePaul and Nebraska. And, uh, you know, they they didn't uh, beat Iowa again in the Big Ten tournament. I think if they had taken care of that business, just as the men had opportunities to take care of business and win some games that would have bettered their seeding, I think if the women had done done that, they would have bettered their seeding as well.
0: Yeah, Todd, let's take a look at the path. You already mentioned uh, Arizona or West Virginia being that second-round game the Terps uh, first-round game, barring what I would perceive to be one of the biggest upsets in, in women's basketball NCAA tournament history, the Terps, if they happen to find a way to lose to Holy Cross. Uh, what does the path look like, and and what's the potential matchup in that Sweet 16 in Greenville?
1: Okay, so uh, I, I like to use a tool. It's called RPI Gamer, and it's a predictive model. It's pretty accurate. It's like 76.8% or something like that accuracy rate. And it says that Maryland. Uh, just to give you an idea of what this home court means, the Maryland has uh, almost a 70% chance of beating Arizona at home, uh, 76% almost to beat West Virginia. So, and they're already at 77%, 78% to beat Holy Cross. So, uh, but but if you switch that and put the model onto a neutral court then Maryland would still be favored, but their probabilities would drop from almost 70% against Arizona to 56%, and from 75% to 63% against West Virginia. So we know that that Maryland is seeded second. So if all the seedings hold, then Maryland would then go on to play uh, Notre Dame, as a a rematch of the game from earlier in the season that the Terps won at Notre Dame uh, on a last-second shot by Diamond Miller, who ran down the court shushing the Notre Dame crowd afterward. And uh, then if they were to get by that, they'll have a rematch with South Carolina. And the team's played in the second game of the season. South Carolina handled the Terps pretty easily, uh, beat them 81-56. to But Maryland's a very different team. I'm sure South Carolina is as well at this point, but, um, I do see a path for Maryland to actually beat South Carolina, but that's getting way ahead of ourselves. Let's get to the, get to, to this weekend of the sweet 16 before we really talk about that.
0: Yeah. And Todd, you, you hit the nail on the head there. So Terps, uh, with a matchup again, more than likely against that Arizona or West Virginia, uh, squads, Todd's got his, uh, now I don't know whether to call them superstitions about the teams on the West coast.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny. I, 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 I do, Mason. I always worry about these West coast teams. I, I, I was at the, um, at the, the uh, watch party for the selection show last night. And I was talking to Sarah Myers, who is an assistant coach on Maryland's squad right now, and who played for Brenda a few years ago. And I mentioned, you know, that I still pretty fresh in my mind is a game Maryland played a few years ago against uh, UCLA uh, where the Terps had them at home and, and UCLA just really handled them. We don't, we on the East coast don't see those West coast teams a lot. So we don't know really what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, you know, I, I remember a game that Maryland played uh, the university of Washington when Washington had Kelsey plum and, and a very small roster actually, and still came away with a win. So, you know, so those West coast teams do sneak up on, on me. And I, and I do have my, worries always have my worries about that
0: yeah certainly I mean it's a different style different teams you know as Todd said there are not a lot of common opponents there but we will follow the Terps uh road to I guess it's the starts off with the road to Greenville runs through College Park uh starting this week for Maryland
1: exactly right you know so we'll we'll take a look and uh you know I mean look Maryland a great season for Maryland that's I as I uh May have mentioned to you earlier. Look, if you if you had bet on Maryland uh, before the season, they were plus seventy five hundred to win the national championship. They're down around three thousand plus three thousand. Uh, the the real bet probably would have been South Carolina because they were plus two fifty and now they're minus two hundred.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, there is no better team than the Gamecocks right now. But the Terps, uh, hey, they may well they. May have their second shot of the season uh, against that South Carolina team if they are to make it to the Elite Eight. But as Todd mentioned, it's not much of a neutral court down there in Greenville. But we'll have coverage uh, of the Terps' road to where is the Final Four this year? Dallas. Terps' road to Dallas uh, as it continues. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Terps at least get to the Sweet Sixteen. We'll see what happens from there.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah. Oh, that Sweet Sixteen should be. Barely... I, I would hope, Mason. I'm I'm go I'll go with you on that one. I mean, with the first two games at home, Maryland should make the Sweet Sixteen.
0: All right. Well, we will follow the Terps uh, on their road to Dallas. And Todd, a uh, couple words from men's basketball for you, and then uh, we're going to bring Wayne in.
1: Yeah, bring in the guy who really knows men's basketball. You know, here here's what I'll say about uh, you know I, I've seen some people. Once again, uh, some people talking about Maryland seeding and not really complaining about the seeding, but um, looking at, looking at it, you know, knowing that Maryland might've had a chance to play themselves into a better seeding Had they made a deeper run in the, in the big 10 tournament, or had they picked up uh, some of those late road wins against Nebraska or Ohio state or Penn state? They had their, they had their fate in their own hands to some degree and uh you know, I was a little surprised to see that West Virginia's uh starting out with the wise guys uh, making Maryland a two and a half point
0: underdog. Yeah, me as well. And, and Todd, I have to agree with you there. You know, you look at a Michigan State team that's one seed line uh, above the Terps, you look at Rutgers not making the tournament. And look, it really tells you the story of this Maryland team and of the Big Ten right now. Look, the Big I Ten is not. Really does- is not viewed favorably by the selection committee due to their past performance in this tournament. I think the Terps, if you win two of the the three winnable road games that you mentioned, Todd, come up with one more neutral site win over a team like Tennessee, pick up a win over Indiana, you're in a position to see yourself on the five line, the six line. But look, Michigan State did not deliver in the Big Ten tournament. Maryland did not deliver in the games that you mentioned and the Big Ten tournament. And I think it's completely reasonable to see this team as an eight, I almost was expecting them to see them as a nine after dropping that game to Indiana, but it's the reality of it. The conference hasn't delivered yeah. and the Terps didn't deliver in their spots that they had to, frankly, have a chance to win the conference in the regular season.
1: Yeah. Eight, eight, nine doesn't, doesn't really, That that's really basically only the color of your uniforms in the first game because you're going to get the one seed and, you know, a, a, an immediately after in the second round. So eight, nine is, is is not a a big deal, but it's interesting, Mason. When, when the the selection show came up, I looked at, at the big 10 and I thought the committee simultaneously found a way to respect and disrespect the big 10 in that uh, they, they put eight teams from the conference into the tournament, I believe, which was, I think was the most or tied for the most of any conference. And yet you know, they're basically all either eight, nine, 10 play in games, most of those teams. So, you know, they certainly didn't show a lot of respect. You know, Indiana at four, Purdue at one. And, and much beyond that, you know, Michigan State at seven. Then you have Maryland at eight and, and a, a whole bunch of teams in that 10, 11, last team in play in games. You know, so, uh, again, uh, I I think that's simultaneously some respect and disrespect, which is is perfectly, as you pointed out, perfectly well-merited, given um, what the Big Ten has done in the NCAA tournament in recent history. You know, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way the game is played in the conference and the way it's officiated.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more there, Todd. Uh, Last thing on the seating, and then we'll get to Wayne and talk about the games a little bit is the conference, I think, also made it really hard to evaluate it with the, just a the lack of road victories in the league this year. It showed, I think, both the depth and, and the home court advantage of the teams, but it also gives, gives a lack of quality wins, and it's a lot easier to get higher quad uh, victories, higher quality victories in the eyes of the committee with winning games on the road. There's a huge gap between what a quad one win is when you're on your home court compared to what, when you're on your, on the road. And look, teams like Maryland just didn't deliver that. Teams like Illinois just didn't deliver those quality road wins. And it it found them, I think, seed lines below um, what the fans definitely think. But look, this is what every bracketologist said Maryland was going to be. So I don't think there's too much room to complain.
1: No, I agree. There's not a lot of room to complain. I think that, that, Given the way Maryland finished the season, this is a, a very fair season. But and for me, again, you know, I, when, when once Maryland got to ten wins in in conference play, regardless of the fact that they only had one road win, I was thrilled with this season. Twenty wins for Kevin Willard in his first season, an NCAA tournament bid. Even though, yes, it's a fairly experienced team, it's still kind of a cobbled together team. And and uh, I think I think they have already exceeded any real reasonable expectations. We could have had preseason.
0: Yeah. Could not agree with you more, Todd. Uh, I hate to do this to you. I know you don't like predicting games Do so the Terps, uh, make it to the weekend.
1: Uh, I'm going to say that the Terps, you know, this is so hard Mason, because a lot, I think will depend on how the game is officiated. I think if, if Maryland, I think Maryland makes it to the weekend because they have experienced guards, even though their guards don't have a lot of NCAA tournament experience.
0: All right, Todd, and with that, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, hopefully, with a pair of teams, we're talking about a deep March run with, but at least one.
1: At least, let's hope so, Mason.
0: Now we welcome Wayne Viner back to the podcast,
2: Wayne. Uh, it's been a little bit. We missed you here on the Young Terps. It's been a little bit, but, you know, I do the football thing. We got a lot of lacrosse to talk about, but today, focus is on a basketball game, or hopefully more than one, Mason, so thanks for having me in.
0: Yeah, Terps, uh, an eight seed in the South region with the overall number one seed, Alabama Crimson Tide. They will start uh, they're run probably today when you're listening to this. We're recording this on Wednesday night. The earlier segment uh, recorded a bit earlier in the week with Todd. Wayne Terps, West Virginia. Um, a matchup that we saw back in 2015, but as you know, we've read, if you watch West Virginia this year, a little bit of a different team.
2: Yeah, yeah they play Big 12 basketball. They're playing a faster, looser game. It's not that Killer press they used to run when they were nicknamed Press Virginia. I was there in Columbus that night when West Virginia just out physical to Mello and Des Wells led Maryland team. And because of the way the game was called, Maryland just couldn't physically compete. So at some point, we're talking about keys of the game. One of my biggest keys is how is this game going to be refereed? If it's a very physical game, I still think that favors West Virginia. What do you make of of West Virginia and their metrics?
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it with Todd a little bit uh, earlier. I think that West Virginia skews a a fair amount of the metrics that are out there because they play the game of basketball differently than, I'll take a, I don't know, I believe everyone's favorite 10th or 11th grade math term. They play off of the standard Uh, game which throws off the standard deviation of all the metrics west virginia speeds the game up they or they slow it down depending on if you can handle the ball or not they really beat you up they foul more than the average team and all of those advanced offensive adjusted metrics defensive metrics they're based on teams that play more of your style of your maryland duke you know acc big 10 basketball And, and while those are very very different leagues nobody's pressing the entire game nobody is trying to throw you off and make you so uncomfortable that you can't perform you know your basic functions on the basketball court i think it messes west virginia's advanced metrics and metrics up against the team now sure if you're a great scoring defense or a great three-point shooting team those things still show but things like advanced adjusted offensive efficiency that have been thrown around around this game I don't really see West Virginia. I think, in my opinion, their metrics are a bit off.
2: Okay. Um, so they don't play standard basketball. Maryland comes from the Big Ten where the first to 60 often wins the game. But, I mean, there's some numbers that you know that when Maryland scores 65 points in a game, they have some ridiculous record like, I don't know, 21-2, and two, that kind of thing, where West Virginia if look at the same number when they keep a team from scoring 65 points, they're ridiculously good as well. I was talking to Bruce. We decided that this game is a battle to 65. If Maryland somehow gets to 66, pretty much statistically, think the Terps are going to win. I've got some concern that Maryland, because they just play for the most part, seven guys, they're a little bit worn out. Now, when you look at Jameer Young's performance over the past few games, he looks a little worn out. Now, if Maryland prepares for that properly and you get Don Carey having a good day and he starts taking the ball to the basket to combine with the three-point shooting, maybe on this Thursday game, you can overcome a little bit of that Jameer Young sluggishness. But I think if you really want to win, Jameer Young still has to be your star. If he comes off as a star and they call the game tightly, like every other game that, that you see, it doesn't get too physical. I think Maryland's got a good chance. Um, yeah. But if Jameer's still tired, eh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at West Virginia down the line, you mentioned Maryland. I believe it's like they're 18-0 and 0 when they score sixty. 60- or 68 points or more uh, this season, West Virginia, similar story when both teams, when West Virginia reaches, I believe it's somewhere around 70 or more points in the non-conference or they hold their opponents to 65 or less. um, They're similarly as good as Maryland when the Terps score more than 65 points. Uh, I agree with you. If Maryland can get Don Kerry shooting the basketball well, I think that's a big key to the game, if you put it that way. I think that will keep Maryland alive in the tournament. But when you look at the Terps, there's a handful of guys that, you know, are up and down. You almost have to count that Jameer Young is going to play a good game if Maryland's going to win. Don Kerry, Hakeem Hart, they have to put up, you know, combined 25
2: or so points. I don't think that's out of reason to say that. And uh, to add to that, you have to keep Juju on the floor. Julian Reese cannot get into the type of foul trouble that he's prone to get to. Um, I think, overall, he's your most improved player from where he was early in the season to the Julian Reese that you see now where you start to see flashes of somebody who really can be good, can be dominant, can, can do everything a big guy needs to do. I'm sure that he'll get to, to some shooting at distance. Right now he's 15 feet and in, and if you really look at it, Julian Reese is probably 10 feet and in. Uh, but defensively, rebounding, he does it all. We only have one of these guys, so you start to build a game just like any other game in conference. If Julian Reese can give you the double-double, which he still does despite the foul trouble, you can get your twenty some odd points, and we'll just leave it at twenty for Demir Young. The twenty five that you look at from your Hakeem Hart and Don Carey, it comes up to Maryland's biggest X factor. Uh, tell me what you think you're going to see from Dante Scott.
0: Yeah, Dante Scott's been the wild card this year. Quick, quick note for you on this game: West Virginia is not a overly sized team. Uh, they have Trey Mitchell, who's a senior forward, 6'9", See him on the floor for about 29 minutes a game. Emmett Matthews Jr., 6'7", forward, kind of plays that three spot for them. He's also on there about 30 minutes a game. And then the big man, the true big man, is Jimmy Bell Jr. He's 6'10", 285. He only gets around four points and five boards a game. He's on the floor somewhere around 20 minutes a game. So I think for Juju Reese size matchup-wise, Uh, he's in a favorable spot, but going back to what you said, what will Dante Scott do? You would hope get to the bucket, play aggressive, rebound to get back on defense hard and not shoot threes. But with him, it's just so hard to tell. You know, I think Willard's gotten him in a good spot to succeed. I think he played decently against Indiana, but, you know, careers on the line guys play, you hope that they play with more urgency. Um, with more passion for their teammates and for their team, knowing that this may be the last time that this group is together. Uh, I think he would aggressive drives to the bucket, and, and maybe he has a good shooting day and doesn't, again, don't pull the trigger from three more than five times,
2: unless you're making them. I think that goes for everybody on Maryland, though. Yeah, that's when I think they played the most effective ball is when opposing defense is to stop Maryland from driving. Suddenly the three ball wide open threes open up. And and that goes back to the top of the conversation. Jameer young, getting to the basket, drawing the double team, bring somebody else up, especially in Comcast center or Xfinity center. It's worked magic, not so much any place else. But look, even if you win this game and I think it'd be a big program, Mark, especially for Willard, who hasn't done so well in the postseason to win a game that experts say Maryland's going to lose, then you run into the number one, number one seed of Alabama. The thing I find interesting about this bracket is I I think that probably it's either UCLA, Arizona, or Marquette, you can pick your best two seed. Right now, I'd say that you've got Alabama as a number one, number one seed, and I'd pick Arizona as my best two seed uh they've managed to handle ucla a couple times i think arizona's certainly on the way up uh i know you're interested in marquette who who else do you have in mind that can actually win this thing well i think there are a lot of teams that can win this uh tournament
0: marquette's playing great basketball right now I, i just don't really see a team that's not named Villanova coached by Jay Wright making a deep run. I, I don't think we've seen many of those teams over the years. Um, one team that I know that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that I hate to say is playing great basketball right now is Duke. Um, they're fully healthy. Finally, they've had really, really high intensity on the defensive end of the floor this year. And right now on offense, they're shooting the basketball well. They, they win uh, the ACC championship there. In John Shire's first season, I do like them. I think they really took a hit seeding-wise. I think you could have seen them a seed or two line higher uh, if the ACC was a stronger conference. But teams like Pitt, uh, who almost won the conference in the regular season, getting an 11-play-in game. NC State, similar story over there. Um, Alabama, I I really don't see them as a team that's going to win the national championship. I think there's a lot of drama around the program right now. I, I Cannot believe that. Is it Miller who was involved in the court case is still playing basketball right now? Uh I but the early out teams that I see are definitely Houston. I don't think that Texas team makes a deep run. I know a lot of people have been thinking that. Um, I haven't really looked that that deep into the bracket. I'm gonna take a look at it as soon as we get off recording the show. But I think you'll see a lot of teams from that four, five, three, four, five line that that are playing uh into April.
2: Yeah, April, only a few short weeks away. Does does anybody from the Big Ten pop to you as a, a Final Four team? So there's a lot of Big Ten teams in this tournament, but right now for me, basically because I look for great guard play, don't see a lot of Big Ten progress in this NCAA tournament.
0: No, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you view them, uh, Purdue. I can't, I can't see, I don't see them going out early. I don't think that Memphis team or that FAU team tops the boilers. Unfortunately, my boy, Braden Smith, who I, I really think is going to be a fantastic player, especially if he stays at Purdue and Matt Painter uh, works his magic in the coaching, which, which he does so well with player development. I don't think that he's quite there yet as a ball handler, uh, excellent free throw shooter on and off days. Same, same story is true with, um, Hood, is it, Shafino uh, on Indiana. I just, right. when he's hot, that team is fantastic. When he is cold, like he was that night in College Park where he went like one for 18, it, it's ugly. It's ugly for the whole squad. And and that's what you saw Maryland. And if you look, go back and watch that game, the points where they were competing and had opportunities to win, um, it was when he was not on the floor and when he was not playing well. Uh, Kent State team that they're playing is tough. Iowa, I'm not sure. Illinois, I don't think, has got it. And look, you're almost out of teams. But this, if there is going to be a year this conference needs to break through and, and in this case, cause some upsets with so many teams on that 8-9 and nine line, it's got to come because last year that Rutgers team, I'll be honest, they're in the tournament. This year, not the case because the conference is not winning games in March
2: well put and well said. I've been told by somebody who watches a lot of college basketball that you really have to look out for Drake as your sleeper. They're a 12 seed playing Miami, and that's only a one-and-a-half point lean to Miami, a five against a 12. There's a lot of thin margins, a lot more than usual in this first round. Um, but So I'll take a flyer on Drake making some noise like I said, I like Arizona. And, uh, well, Mason, you watch a lot of ball, so I'll go with Marquette in, in your honor because, yeah, you, you see a lot of upside there. And uh, th- those are my three or four handful of picks. Um, it's a great tournament, but now I'm starting to realize that it's a little better to have teams that are, are a heavy favorite teams that you've watched all year that maybe you grew either to love or to hate when you get to tournament time, because when you look at a tournament where you go, it's pretty even, anybody can win this. To me, that actually takes a little bit of the David versus Goliath out of the tournament. Not there's very few games, despite the seating that I would say it actually comes across as an upset.
0: Yeah, anyway. I would agree with you, especially with Vegas, you know, Putting the lines out on the games the way they should be. And so many people watching that, you know, with sports betting legalizing really across the country at this point. Uh, and, and that being a big part of game coverage, the way people think about the games. It's on every score bug out there, it seemingly, pregame is, you know, what the favorite and what the over under is. Um, yeah, you know, a 12 5 game with a one and a half point line coming down the end. TURPS uh, only. What are they? The only higher seed that that's an underdog at this point. So it's not it's not gone crazy yet. But look, there are teams that are like FAU, 31 and two this season. They're a nine seed. That's a team that can make a run. Um, I, I agree. You know, a couple games that I like that I that I still see that more or less like Kentucky Providence and uh, that six eleven matchup. I I really like that Louisiana team that's playing Tennessee. You mentioned Drake. So many of these teams, you know, they have talent. They hit the transfer portal. They pick up guys that are late in their careers that are looking for that one last run that maybe can't make it to that next level or don't get that sort of attention. And look, when you pick up more veteran guys, it's almost like signing one-year contracts in the NBA looking to win something big. A lot of guys are hunting for that opportunity. They land at these smaller schools that traditionally make it to the tournament to make it to this point. I think that becomes a big part of the story right now. And I also miss the heavy favorite that everyone's picking right now. I think it makes the bracket games a lot less fun because, you know, you can't really chalk them. You're not going to see that many people take chalk. And it's almost, you know, all the skill out of it seems to be minimalized uh, this year because just There aren't really four
2: one-seeds, in my opinion. So if this is it for this Maryland team this weekend before the next podcast comes out, what's your impression, only being able to look at the season, the Big Ten tournament, of what Willard's been able to do with a team that's built very similar to that model that you just said, where there's a couple guys that didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament, that signed on pretty much a one-year deal to come to Maryland, and they actually did make the NCAA tournament.
0: Well, I think that that's, you know, obviously it's an in-depth conversation for after the season. And this year's team is the prime example, in my opinion, of if you looked at where we were at the beginning of the season, you offered this deal to have a great home year, have some fantastic crowds, you know. Not every night it wasn't you know one what, what Maryland basketball is really used to, but the big games were big. Um, it would you you would almost think that you would be stupid not to take you know an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, when you look at the season, there are definitely some missed opportunities, but as a first year, the first head coach in Maryland basketball history to make the NCAA tournament. In their first year, I know that's a skewed stat because there really haven't been that many coaches, and the field has not been this big for this long. But I will say um, it, it had to be the goal. The goal was to get to the NCAA tournament. Here we are. Now, let's can Kevin Willard progress as a coach. You know, he's been on this eight-nine line for a lot of his NCAA tournament opinion uh, appearances. Can he win a game in the tournament? That would be a step forward over, especially last year where Seton Hall had a really ugly exit, and Look, even if they lose in the first round, it's all about what he can do next year. Can they hit the portal? Can they get one or two pieces, take this great freshman class, and really start to compete for Big Ten championships, even though they were in that picture for a while this year?
2: They were. It was I, – I checked the box and agree with you right down the line. The part that stands out to me is over the past few years, you and I have gone to a lot of games – and said, it, it's just so hard to sell tickets, to sell this building out. Maybe the building's too big. Maybe they should have had a 15,000 or fourteen five like Cole Fieldhouse, and Xfinity is just 4,000, 5,000 seats too big. And Kevin Willard and this team got the fans back, and the building was sold out. And there's a couple games there. That Purdue game that ended with that famous photo that, that uh, we, we did that extra segment on Trip Talk about the young lady who took the photo it became iconic moments that you probably walk through the halls of Xfinity Center in years to come and see a picture of that court storming because it was such a big moment to get Maryland back in the spotlight. So I'll pick that Purdue game and then Kevin Willard's first game in the Big Ten. We played Illinois. Place was fairly full, and and the the fun quotient was extremely high. So the fact that it's really cool to go to Maryland basketball games again is my that that's your barometer for that in the NCAA tournament that it is possible here to bring back some glory. And uh, so win or lose, it's been a really good year to be a Maryland Terrapin.
0: It it certainly has. I think uh, that's a good spot to leave it. Is you know the future is bright it's, you're right it's exciting to be there now it's exciting to be a part of it and look th- there's definitely something to sell for you know the Terrapin club for the ticket office for Turtle NIL there is something that people in this community want to be a part of i, I don't necessarily think it's that it's cool to go to the games there were some great games in the Turgeon era yet it it dwindled out at the end but there's certainly that excitement that this version that this coach represents what Maryland basketball is about. It doesn't really feel like we have someone else's coach coaching our team right now. It feels like Kevin Willard is a Maryland basketball coach. He is fits the image of what the, your average Maryland fan thinks that Maryland basketball should be about. And and that certainly is in a much better spot than than what it was a year ago or two or whatever, eight years ago. Willard's got the program where it needs to be. Wayne, Uh, Do you think the Terps make it past the Mountaineers tomorrow? And uh, if so, how far
2: far does the run go? I hate to be a party pooper because I'm usually so pro-Maryland, but no, I don't think Maryland wins against West Virginia. And if they do, you've got Alabama in Birmingham, basically a home game on Saturday. I'd love to see that game, but once again, if Maryland got to Saturday, I still don't think they get past that, but you're right. The The future is bright and, and maybe in a year or two to come, we'll be the heavy favorite to go farther.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I, I think Maryland makes it past West Virginia. I look at this West Virginia team and I, I don't really, the big 12 is a strong conference, but the Mountaineers did not necessarily play well in it. They struggle to uh, score the basketball at times, a lot like Maryland. I think the game's a slugfest, and I think Julian Reese takes it over uh, as a big man that can score, especially if the game is the fouls aren't called uh, a lot of the times, which it is really hard to continue and consistently referee a game that a Bob Huggins coach team plays in. Uh, I think the Terps squeeze one out against West Virginia, and, and I can't see it. I cannot see Maryland beating. Uh, that Nate Oates Alabama team. Uh, They send us home again in front of what should be a just fantastic NCAA tournament environment in Birmingham uh, for both sets of games. Both sessions that the Terps play in are paired. Well, if they make it to Saturday, obviously they're playing Alabama. If you're going to the game and going to the Maryland session, you also get to see uh, the Tide start their run uh, in in the NCAA tournament. Uh, If the Terps do win
2: though, Louisville, Kentucky will be the destination. And we will be there. If we get to Louisville, we'll find a way to get to Louisville and the Yum Center next weekend. And that'll do it for the
0: 227th episode of the Young Terps podcast. Thank you to Todd Carton and Wayne Viner for joining me. And as always, thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, this, If it is the last one in the basketball season, it's been a fun ride, but we'll be back here to recap everything, as always, here on the podcast. Uh, that's it. Go Terps. Beat West Virginia, beat Alabama.